Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. Before I introduce this week's guest, I just wanted to give one more plug for the survey that's up on the website, perpetualchesspod.com. So if you want to give feedback on the show, tell me how to make it better. Tell me what you like about it. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of. The survey takes about five minutes. I've already gotten a lot of great feedback, but I'm only going to leave this open for one more week. So I just thought I'd plug it one more time. And then I'll be sharing some of the results somewhere. So I'll tweet it out and mention it here, but I might make a YouTube video or I might do like a side podcast on the feed talking about it so that uh, you guys can hear what the masses had to say. Uh, with that out of the way, I would like to introduce this week's guest, the founder of The Weekend Chess, Mark Crowther. Mark, thanks for joining us. Hello there from Bradford, England. It's lovely to speak to you. Uh, yes, and it's lovely to have you. Obviously, you're an institution in the chess world. You've been requested by several listeners. And I know that Perpetual Chess has a good amount of listeners in England. So shout out to Across the Pond. Uh, I often get emails saying, you need more guests from England. You need more guests from England. And I agree. Uh, that will continue to happen. But meanwhile, we've got a great one today. So, Mark, we're going to get to the background of the week in chess in a minute. But first of all, I know from our scheduling of this interview that you actually had a chess game last night. So when guests have been on the battlefield recently, I always like to hear about it. So how did last night's game go, Mark? Well, I've been struggling a little bit this season, uh, especially with black, as, my, uh, as a friend of mine pointed out. But I, I, I played a French. I uh, uh, messed it up slightly. And uh, it was worse, but then my opponent went went for it with a couple of moves, and, and his position disintegrated, and I won in an hour and a half. It was uh, one of my quicker wins, but uh, but it was far, far from perfect. Okay, well, congratulations. It's always nice to get a quick win. Mm, yes, we needed it. It's kind of, it was kind of a relegation battle. I think we're well clear of relegation now, uh, but we needed to win that, and we had a couple of younger not not so experienced players well some not so uh, young but they're they're inexperienced players and and they got us one and a half points on the lower board so it was an um, excellent evening all round for us at least yeah it sounds like a good showing uh, and it sounds like so what's the team format like for this event uh well we play over six boards unfortunately one of our guys had to uh, was was sick over the weekend, so we only had five players, which didn't help very much. But it's over six boards, um, and we we play. Uh, uh, there's there's eight teams, and we play each other twice, home and away. Uh, uh, and that's on a Tuesday night, roughly every fortnight, and uh, and then we have cup competitions in between. And in the summer, everything stops. Sounds like it's enough to keep you sharp, though. Oh well, I, I mean it's funny because uh, I I used to play just this evening league and Saturday chess. 
So I was playing about 22 games a year, and it's really not enough. And I did up that level to 40. My, my, my level had dropped quite a long way. So I started putting some more work in, and I, I now play another league on a Wednesday, uh, and, and I, I play the occasional individual tournament. So my, my, my number of games went up from about 22 to over 30, even nearly 40. And it definitely makes a difference. I, I don't think you can get away with so few games without without um, a falling off over the years. Yeah, I think when, when John Donaldson was on, he had a very specific prescription, and I believe it was five games a month, something I fall well short of. Yep. But... Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, I do, I do work. I mean, I didn't, I, over the years, people assume... That, that I know a lot about chess theory because of Twick, but was... it was far, 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 far from the truth. But now, uh, I, in the last few years, because my level had dropped and I was really kind of motivated for it not to drop anymore, in fact, to come back up, uh, I, I, I do quite a lot of work, and I, I, I find the apps very useful. There's uh, an app called Forward Chess. I buy most of my books on there, and, uh, the theory books at the very least, uh, and so I can whip them out at any point and, you know, look look at the theory uh, in, in the odd moment. So I've actually absorbed more theory in the last five years than I did done in the last 20, basically. Well, it's good to hear that that's possible for older yeah. men, older men like us. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think I, I actually think um, most of us are so bad that, that there's always room for improvement and that that it's not. It's not out of the realms of possibility. But having said that, it is tough to to improve. I mean, I I got my standard up last year. I found it a little tougher, and uh, dropping pieces has been a problem recently. I'm afraid. Yeah, it, and the the less frequently you play, the more prone one is to blunders. So yeah, yeah. well, I, I think I'm just just not doing enough tactical exercises. That's always been what. Even though I didn't know much chess theory, I. I always did chess chess exercises and i haven't done so much of that recently and i think it needs to come back in my routine yeah that makes sense well it's always a balancing act Um, and it's funny that you mentioned about the theory because i was going to ask you the same thing and for listeners who don't know about the week in chess i think most will but it's an online periodical uh, that Mark, this huge labor of love that Mark does, where he gathers all of the top players' games uh, from every event and collates them into one file so that uh, people who have chess databases can keep them up to date with all of the latest games. So it's a tremendous service to the chess community, uh, and it keeps Mark quite busy. Uh, yeah. So, so why don't we go back in time, Mark, and uh, tell us about how the week in chess got started. I've been playing chess for... You know, I mean, I started playing 28 years ago. I started, I was serious by the, by 25 years ago. And the week in chess has been around and important as long as I can remember. Yeah. Well, I started um, playing chess when I was six in 1972. My father taught me, I think almost certainly, uh, the Fisher Spassky match was a motivation for doing that. And then I, uh, I played schools chess for a long time. Uh, and then, in my teenage years, I just I went backwards a bit. I was quite a talented junior, but I never got any coaching for for many reasons. Uh, and, and then in my early twenties, I started to to read theory for the first time and read magazines and follow the games. At eighteen, I went to London to see USSR versus the rest of the world. So I saw Smyslov, well Kasparov and Karpov and Tal. I saw Tal. Uh, at that time, but in my twenties, I started to collect magazines, and there was a Shack sixty four magazine, and then I got. And this is important. Um, we had a discussion before we started about the name. Well, I didn't realise where I got the name because because I I started collecting the games together, and then I just had to come up with a name, and I came up with this name, the Week in Chess. But you know uh, relatively recently i every week i got a, a magazine from switzerland called d shackwalker the week in chess basically hmm. and i must have subliminally uh, actually taken the name from there and and actually the product that i produce is pretty close to the function of or the idea was pretty close to the function of that magazine which is to collect together all the the games of the week that were important but uh, i mean i you, you were asking about the sort of history of it. 
in the early 90s, I was collecting uh, photocopies from newspapers and magazines. I worked at Bradford University, so I got Serbian newspapers, Politica and things like that. They had huge amounts of uh, uh, information uh, and games. They had, you know, they, they would have a, a, a weekly spread with a lot of games in it uh, that you couldn't get elsewhere. Uh, and, and following the candidates, you know, when Nigel Short was around in, in the early 90s was very difficult. Uh, you know, in mainstream newspapers. So so I had good information. And then we had Fisher Spassky in 1992, the, the, the anniversary. And that was when I first heard of the internet. I'd never heard of the internet before, but I did work at Bradford University, so, so it was around. And a friend of mine was getting the games live. He, he was going to the computer centre, getting the games, printing them out, and we were, were playing through the moves. Uh, and we were astonished. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I mean, we just never heard of this thing. And I put it in the back burner. Then I got online March '93. Start typing in games almost straight away. It was very difficult to use the system. It, I know it was March '93 because it was Lenares '1993, and already on the internet, people were publishing the games. And I, I was typing in games from things like Malcolm Payne's Telegraph column and things like that. And, and quickly, it just got out of it got out of control. What I was doing, I was posting. Were you around enough for things like Rec Games Chess? I remember that. Yeah, that was the... right. That's where I started, basically, and that was a nice little community. And I'm I'm going to come on to talk about that. Hopefully, uh, you, you know, we've gone through various revolutions, and I think you know we've got Twitter and Facebook now, and I think we're in for another revolution there as well. But in those days, it was Rec Games Chess, and so I was posting games there, and then I decided, oh, I'm not going to do this every day, because it's just taking too much time. I'm going to come in on a Saturday morning to the computer centre at Bradford University, type in a load of games, put them all out in one publication, and that's what I did, and I called it The Week of Chess, and then about six, seven weeks later, even less people started sending me whole game file, PGN game files of, of events. And then somebody called Andrew Anjouven, that's probably not how he pronounced his name, a Dutch guy, he gave me a program to process the games against a master list of names to try and get all the names the same every time the same player appeared. There were many faults in that system, and I've rewritten the program in 2010 there was a fundamental change there, but I still have short names in my Twit database uh, because Chessbase had severe limitations in the old days, and now it doesn't, of course. Uh, I I am aiming to produce a full name Twit database, but that's for the future. But it's very hard with le- to deal with legacies like that. You know, short names. You, you understand what I mean by short names? It's like um, I don't know. Kasparov, comma G was Gary Kasparov, not not Kasparov, comma Gary, but but the but the actual processing at least meant that it was always Kasparov, comma G, uh, 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 and that's that made the week by week collation uh, slot together at least semi into a database that you could search. Yeah, yeah I've seen the duplicate names in Chessbase, and I know yeah. that. Like last week, Elshan Moriadibadi mentioned that growing up playing in Iran, yep. uh, he wasn't very well known. So he was he had six different names listed when he would play tournaments, like six versions of the same name, basically. So I can imagine yeah, yeah. to well, be the Korchnoi, one in... Victor Korchnoi, there's just so many ways of spelling his first name and his last name that you have to pick one. Right. Uh, 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 and the FIDE rating list seems the most sensible way of doing it, but it has a lot of faults. The Indian names in the FIDE rating list are a mess. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're not easy. They're not easy for Westerners to get right, but they have made no attempt to to sort it out. Basically, yeah, which doesn't make your job any easier, I'm sure. Well, I just I, I put I've basically taken to just putting random commas in the middle and hoping hmm. for the best. But it's not. It's not. I mean, really, really not ideal. Uh, um, and and you know, I've got a legacy problem. People really want to see full names in the database as far as possible. Obviously, if you've got two people with exactly the same name, and that does happen, uh, you've got to differentiate between the two. 
Uh, and in fact, in 2010, I introduced some... PGN was the standard when I came on the internet. It wasn't widely adopted. So I, my adoption did help PGN a lot, a lot in being adopted as the exchange mechanism. But the guy that wrote the standard, Stephen J. Edwards, then disappeared off the face of the earth. I mean, nobody knows where he is. He was last heard of probably in the late 90s, uh, and he just lost interest in doing it. And so there's been no updating of of the standard, uh, and there are some faults in it. I, and the one thing I decided was because I specifically identify all the players and do a lot of work, I, I produce a, my method now is to to take the start list and find the feed ID of every player, and then process that against the games. There's a, uh, and that produces, in my opinion, it produces the best result that I can, uh, that I can manage at least. Um, but you know, because I had short names and because I had uh, you know people's names change or whatever, it seemed a pity not to to actually put the feed ID in the PGN, so that's what I do. If you look at my PGNs, then it's got white feed AID and black feed AID, and that's something I made up. It hasn't broken anybody's system, but it means that that information's there, and it means that if I ever want to produce a full name database, then I can go back to 2010, and everything since then, I can process against the feed AID and produce a very decent full name database if I wanted to. Nice. Well, I'm sure it's good to at least have that part covered. Now, I want to get a little bit more into the background of the week in chess, Mark. So you mentioned you yep. were working for University of Brad, Brad University of Bradford. Yeah. Uh, so what what kind of work were you doing when this uh, side when this hobby took over your life? Well, I was uh, I was a librarian, information scientist. I didn't get a when when I finished. I didn't get a particularly great job at Bradford University, but it was nice, and it was in modern languages. Uh, I used to, I used to, as a shorthand, if somebody asked me what I did, I, I said I dished out tapes to ungrateful students. And <laughs> that, well, you, that, you, you kind of still do that. Yeah. And, and, and so we, we, we recorded Russian TV, Spanish TV, uh, uh, French, French, German, Spanish, Ita- uh, uh, Spanish, French, German, Spanish, and Russian. Yeah, those were the four major languages that were studied at Bradford University. Unfortunately, uh, that wonderful department uh, closed uh, about ten years after I left. It, I was it was terrible because we we were great. I, th- I think we were great actually. We had some fantastic teachers, and and it was a fantastic department. So anyway, that's that was. I worked in the tape and video library there. Okay. That was that was what Probably I was doing. Good training ground for for the weekend chess. Uh, and are you working full time on the weekend chess now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, basically, I used used to finish work on a Friday, go and have a pizza, start start the magazine, uh, and then come down to. I didn't have my own PC at the time, so I used to do a mixture of using, uh, uh, PCs, to run a particular program that that this this program that Andrew Angiovedden only ran on PCs, so I ran that there, and then I did most of the writing on Linux, Linux system, you know, the mainframe or whatever. So it was a very strange setup I had there. But I couldn't afford a computer in those days, but we got to about 95 and it, or 96, and, and really it was just taking too much time. Uh, so I, I went professional. I was, I was offered something by a company called Thoth in Canada, but Yasser and was sort of connected with it. But it went bust after about nine months. So it was one of these kind of startup things. I, I did. Ha- I got a very nice trip to Canada out of it, and uh, I still love Vancouver. Love that trip to Vancouver. That's one of my major memories of that. But I went there, and they were doing games, and just no sign of any income whatsoever, basically. Uh, hmm. And and I, and they went bust basically. And then I was looking around, and Malcolm came along. That's Malcolm Payne. That's Malcolm Payne of the London Chess Centre. Um, and he came along and paid me a certain amount of money to just do it. And that's really how Twick was. I, I, I took care of everything. He just paid me 
to do it, uh, you know, sponsor it. And he he thought it was, in part, it was a good advertisement for his business. And in part, he thought it was a good thing uh, to do. And 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 uh, that worked well until 2012. But, you know, the, the entire ecosystem of the internet has changed, changed so much between 99 and 2012 that, that Really, the business model we had just didn't work anymore. And, and, you know, in the end, I had to decide whether I wanted to continue or not. And it was very, very tough in 2012. But I managed to get scrabble some advertising together. But I really, it really would be nice if somebody came along and just paid me to do it. And then I didn't have to scrabble for a, or bits and pieces of income and whatever. And, and, and would give me a little bit of money to just improve the service. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I I'm surviving, but it's precarious. I would say right now, and this year I'm going to have to rewrite the website. I'm going to have to, and I want to rewrite the rather bit badly written routines that I've done for for processing n- names and games uh, to make it faster. But that's a lot of work. I mean, last time I did it, I nearly you know, I went nearly went crazy because <laughs> I had to teach. In in about 2008, it was clear that static websites were no good anymore. And so I taught myself PHP. I taught myself uh, uh, SQL. taught myself HTML. I, I taught myself a huge range of skills. But that was a very, very – that was as tough as – taking a degree as far as i was concerned yeah that's pretty impressive i've uh, like cracked books on those subjects and that's as far as it gets <laughs> yeah i was motivated because i thought basically i'm either done or or i get this done basically uh, and and you, you you know we between 2008 to the 2012 you know i think malcolm was as happy as as any he's ever been really with with our cooperation but things like amazon I was a luxury he couldn't afford in the end. I, I, I think that that would be that would be the reason that 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 deal ended. Re- really, I mean, Amazon has taken over a lot of the the business that, of a of a specialist chess shop, and and I was a I was a luxury he couldn't afford. Basically, we still got on very well. It was just it was just one of those things that had to come to an end. But it would. I, I know, I know that. Uh, chess players throughout the world and the third world and the you know india and but also young chess players there was a, daniel asina leal has come to leeds to play to to st- work on his physics and he's a gm from spain and he he thanked me for for the uh for twig that helped him throughout his his learning years and this is just really what what twig is about you know so charging for it, I, I just think is a non-starter. So I have to find some other way uh, of financing my own time to do it. Well, yeah, that's that's really the problem. I think that it's more than justified in terms of its utility, but it it isn't really. Uh, I don't know. It's not really an economic thing. But you know, I, I just need one. I just need money to to live on. Really. Yeah. Okay, so so listeners, I know we've got some generous listeners. Uh, please su- support Mark, and if you make a don, so he's got advertising on his page, but also if you make a donation to the Weekend Chess uh, for a certain amount, he'll send you his whole file of games. So for those of you with a database, that is quite useful uh, to to be able to access all of these games through history. Uh, and a related question from a listener, uh, Mark: Some people who support my podcast, which. I'm lucky to have some supporters. I'm also lucky that for me, it's not a full-time gig, but yeah. I, but I definitely understand. Uh, I I feel your pain. I mean, what you do is on such a bigger and I think like a more indispensable scale than what I do. So um, hope we can do whatever we can to help you get the the support you need. So here's a question from Greg Shahadi, uh, yeah. name that may sound familiar. Uh, he says, uh, "Why why doesn't Mark have a Patreon page? He would make huge money." Uh, 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 I'm sorry. Why uh, doesn't Why doesn't Mark have a Patreon page? You would m- make huge money. Greg says. Uh, do you know what Patreon is? No, no, uh, no clue at all. That's probably the answer to his question. <laughs> okay, well, I'll I'll tell you because 
because Perpetual Chess has a Patreon page. I know that yep. Daniel King, Grandmaster Daniel King, has a Patreon page. Uh, GM Nicholas Husenbeth. I, I don't know if I said his name correctly, but you know, talented young German Grandmaster. Um, there's a, basically it's a, a way for people to support independent art or projects. Yep. And there's different donation tiers where you can offer certain things to people who donate. But basically, it's just a platform where you can share content with people who support your yeah. endeavors. So it is something to keep in mind. And we can talk about it more offline. But I guess we have the answer to Greg's question. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was, I, I, while I was waiting to do this broadcast, I was reading about a comedy website that's gone off. Offline or everybody's been sacked at least, and and one of the, one of the people on there was saying, well, Facebook have taken all our hits, so they basically share our content, but they don't, but they take all our advertising rev- revenue, and it, and if we don't put things on Facebook, then then nobody actually gets to see it at all, uh, and I think I think in general, there's a problem with content creators getting paid to do anything, musicians, comedians. All you know, high quality journalism. The whole thing is becoming a mishmash of, uh, and, and the income is all being sucked out of it by very major corporations. I mean, my, I've kept things on my website. I've kept my website as simple as possible. And, and one of the things I aim to do next year is is to simplify the website even more. I think, and just have very short stories so people could come to the website and see what's going on on the day and can grab the games. I, I, I have done everything in the business. I've done, like I say, I've designed the website. It's not a great design, but it's, it's done, you know, and I've programmed the website. I've written, I've written articles, some great, some really not very good. Uh, and, and I've, I've gone to events. I've taken photos, mostly bad. Uh, I've done everything in the business one time or another and, and i think the, the direction i want to go now i can't compete with with the professional writers but what i can compete with is design and and what i find useful and i think that that's that's the direction i'm hoping to go go in there and it's it's a difficult business to, to actually make it pay uh you, you know view, viewership goes up and down the website gets decent viewers it was better the year before. Maybe it'll be better next year. This year with the World Championship, who knows? It's very, it's, it's a very tricky business to to keep this kind of thing going. It really is. Yeah, there's this tech writer named Kevin Kelly who has this kind of famous yeah. dictum where he says that in order for an, a project to be sustainable, you need to have one thousand true fans. So. Yeah. You know, these writers that I like, like Tim Ferriss and Seth Godin, these like, uh, I don't know, business slash motivational type yep. writers, they they often repeat that and say, you know, if you have that many fans, you'll you can you can make a living. But I'm not so sure that that's true. Like, I, as you were saying about the big tech companies, uh, they just suck up so much oxygen and so many resources that uh, there's not automatically a way to to monetize something when you're a small scale like niche project and um and you're independent um so you know listeners and me i've taken since i've started the podcast i've i've myself realized the need to support independent content more than i did there were things that i consumed that didn't necessarily support and didn't just think about it didn't even give it a second thought yeah. uh but once you're on the other side you really go to grow to appreciate uh how how tough it can be yeah, I mean, it was funny. I, I, I mean, I downloaded a program the other day. It did exactly what it said on the tin. And I would never have... I, I just thought, he's asking 18 quid for this. And it does exactly what I want. It's just saved me an absolute bloody fortune. Right. <laughs> so, I put, you know, so I took my minute out to, to pay for it, you know. <laughs> uh, and there was there's, a, there's another app, a uh, chess app, for follow, follow Chess, and he was saying, I'll give it free, you know. And I thought, well, what are you asking? £30 for life or whatever? I'll just, I'll yeah. just pay you the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and people should think about that. And I, I do get that the donations have made the difference between maybe really having to give up or find another job 
or, or whatever. I mean, I would love to be involved in a large project uh, where where I could just give my the benefit of my experience and whatever. I do like my own independence. It has to yeah. be said. I, I think I would struggle to actually go back into a full time workplace, but but I've got a wealth of experience in this business now, uh, and I'm sure that with the right project, I I could contribute to that. And of course, I'd want to get paid, right? You know, you, you know doing doing your tightrope acts really is in, in a very very harsh time. I think. Financially. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I think listeners, I. Uh, Get the picture. Um, just if, you, especially if you use the weekend chess, you should uh, support uh, Mark's efforts. And if anyone out there listening has, you know, can can put his talents to use, please do so. But so you mentioned you've made many amazing contacts in the chess world, and I know you must be pretty plugged in. So, Mark, listeners always like to hear stories about like meetings with uh, famous chess players or brushes with them. Do you have any especially memorable? meetings i'm sure uh being in england and lots of events in london have you crossed paths with uh anyone of note well i mean i mean i've crossed paths with anand he's always everybody's terribly nice i mean topoloff wonderfully nice i went to frankfurt and i met anand and topoloff there they were both oh hi you know we use us just to fall the time it's absolutely fantastic it was absolutely fantastic i've met anand a couple of times before that, I mean, he wouldn't have known me. I met him at the British Championships, where he did very, very badly. <laughs> I mean, huh. he, 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 when he was very young, he, he, he was around the time that he lost in, like, five moves, because he play, repeated some, some theory that was just wrong. Uh, and I, I confused him with Murshid at the time, who was, who was actually leading the event. He said, no, I'm, I'm Anand, who blunders pieces all the time. <laughs> And and then uh, and then I went to this rather st- strange event in ninety two ninety three in Prestwich, with Adams, Anand, and all all that. And Anand was and, and Norwood, and Anand was doing juvenile things like rearranging the letters of people's names to make o- other words and things. On the- <laughs> it was it was a very amateur effect uh, event in, in in some kind of business headquarters. I went because Bronstein was there. And he signed my copy of Zurich 53. Oh, wow. It was was just like, what are these people doing on a, on this, in in this industrial estate playing, (laughs) playing chess? (laughs) It was just, it was just bizarre. Uh, I mean, USSR versus the rest of the world was, was famously held in London on a building site. And I met uh, Bernard Cafferty at the bus stop and we went to try and find this, this venue and, Tal was there, and I just sat opposite Tal and and took it in really as he chain smoked his way through the game. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, and, and and I was looking at the board and I was thinking he could win a pawn there, <laughs> and he played the combination that I saw, and then Murray Chandler made him suffer for many hours <laughs> for <laughs> this pawn for his draw. So yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think what's memorable. I Kasparov, I've. I've been around Kasparov a few times. Uh, uh, he he did a press conference in London about the time that Geller died, and uh, and I we would ju- we just got into a conversation, and he said, "Well, you know that in in the 1990 match, the anti Marshall that came from Geller. That I asked Geller what, what would he do about the Marshall." And it was Geller that told Kasparov he should play the anti-martial. Uh, 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 um, and obviously a little bit more than that. Uh, right. Um, so, uh, and he was obviously... I mean, I mean, it was obvious that Kasparov very much uh, respected Geller as a theoretician and, and whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, the other thing is I, I, I've been many times to Vaikanze. The, uh, the organisers invited me... And eventually I went, <laughs> and and I, I haven't been for three or four years, and I'd love to go back. I, I really would. Uh, I mean, it's winter, and everybody complains that it's cold and horrible, but it's always a few degrees warmer than Bradford, where I live, uh, and and um, it's just nice to get away. Yeah, uh, whenever they show those pictures of uh, the top players playing with with the sea in the background, <laughs> it always makes me want to go. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I I think even if the weather's horrible, it, it is not a bad. It, it's it's a seaside village. It's got a couple of nice pubs, 
uh, it's got a pizza place and uh, whatever, uh, and lots of chess players. Uh, you know, what's not to like, really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so do you travel much to play, or you pretty much keep it to your local I'm, I'm a very, very, very home boy at the moment. I don't even have, pass- have a passport, but uh, I would like to get away with more. I, a few years ago, when I in the process of improving my chess, I got my chess up to a decent standard. I, I became a gold member of the English Chess Federation in order to play some congresses, but I haven't actually got around to doing it yet. We, we have something called the four NCL uh, congresses. Uh, they're five-rounders that are internationally rated, and they're local. Uh, some of, uh, Wakefield and Harrogate, I have no real excuse. I should be playing some of these events, but there you go. Yeah. Well, you do spend a lot of time on chess, as it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but playing is different. I, I mean, over the years, people say, oh, you spend all this time on chess. I, I really don't. I mean, it's a it's a data processing operation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not chess. Yeah, and I, ga- I gather you don't have much time to take, like, leisurely looks at games and stuff like that. No, I mean, I, I, what I would say... What has been revolutionised is is that when I was growing up, you'd occasionally peek over at a post mortem between two players, and you'd sometimes learn a secret. Hmm. But I mean, certainly five or six years ago, we had detailed press conferences where you could learn so much from the top players. Now they're much that has gone away, actually, and they're much more superficial. But five or six years ago, there, there was an immense amount you could learn from the players, stuff that you wouldn't learn in books about what they really think about certain openings, about uh, about the pressure or wh- whatever, that you would never learn anywhere else. Um, but I'm, I'm, like I say, I think the press conferences have become very much more superficial now. So what do you think changed? I think people realized they were giving away too much. Um, I mean, I mean, it was interesting. I, I, I'm not maligning Aronian in any way, but but it was clear to me that Aronian just taught, taught the most utter rubbish during his post post match accounts of games. You put the you put his lines into chess base, and they'd be just garbage because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to give anything away. Huh? I, I'm. I, People were giving huge amounts of information away in these press conferences at one at one stage, yeah. but but I think I think that they've realised that that's probably not a very good idea. But you could learn quite a lot, really. You could uh, at that stage. Did you see the the video that um, I think it was uh, Weekendsy uh, where Fiddler and Carlson were analysing a game and they they just put up a ten minute clip of it online? Yeah, I mean, I mean that. That's of course one of the reasons you go. I mean, yeah. I spend I spend all my time in the press room whenever I go to these events. It was like my dream when I was a kid was to walk into the World Championship press room and see Nidorf over holding forth, you know, whatever. Uh, instead, instead I got uh, instead I got um, um, I forgot his name now. Uh, a lesser player who was mm-hmm. a, just annoying. <laughs> But but no, uh, that's the kind of thing you go for to to look at that. It, it, I thought it was interesting because um, uh, Carlson was obviously not very calm after that game. Yeah, he, uh, he was slamming the pieces down, not not in a rude way. I just thought it it was interesting that he wasn't fully calm after that game, and he was missing things as well, which is always a bad sign with Carlson. And then he got it together. He's, his play in the first half was clearly weaker than it was in the second half. That video, I think, was towards the back end of when he wasn't playing particularly well. And, uh, and But it was a very interesting post-mortem. I mean, they're both very engaging guys. Swiddler is the only player I, I've had extensive conversations with, mostly about cricket, of course. Huh, funny. Yeah, he's mining you for information. <laughs> oh, look, the man is an Anglophile, uh, and yeah. he knows... He, he speaks better English than I do, and... Yeah. Uh, and, and he follows cricket to an extent that, that I never did. Uh, but but I'm still an England 
cricket fan. <laughs> yeah, and he spoke highly of uh, the week in chess when when he came on perpetual chess. Um, so. Yeah, I mean it's really yeah. I, I mean it's just, that's how we started a relationship because he he always used Twick, and uh, and it's it's always nice to know that that everybody uses it. I mean, I had a conversation with Geary, and I had a conversation, you know, with somebody who says that Carlson reads it as well. You know, so it is It is nice to know that people still find it useful. I mean, I mean it has a double function. Uh, it is. It does build up into a database, but it also is the week in chess. It is the last week in, in chess. Yeah. So you can just, if you've missed stuff, which, you know, there's, to be honest, there's so much chess going on, it's easy to do, then it's there for you. You know, it, it is also a weekly publication simply with the games in it. Uh, and and you probably didn't have time to see exactly what, what events were on, especially team tournaments. You, you know, all sorts of players turn up for a round in a, a team tournament that you you would never suspect. Yeah. So that's part of my job to to just round up that those those uh, elements and and so along with being a database it is just a publication that comes out every week with a weekly dose of games for you. Okay. And what what day does it come out? Well, I I I work on it over the weekend and it comes out on Monday and if that slips through to Tuesday because I've uh, um, you know, it's it's run longer than I've. I don't go to bed without finishing it. Really, okay. <laughs> wow, <laughs> is it so. is the answer to that? But but because I'm getting older, uh, I do try very very hard to make sure that Monday's actually as short a day as possible, so that I, it doesn't run long ever. Basically, I front load it so that so that I don't have to go to bed at three or four o'clock in the morning as has very occasionally happened in the past. <laughs> yeah, it does get harder as you get older. Yeah. Um, okay, Mark, so another question from a supporter of the podcast. This question is from Greg Smith, and he asks, what is your take on the battle for the FIDE presidency in 2018? Well, as I was saying, I, I, I spoke to my a friend who's, who's within FIDE, and he thinks it's over. He thinks that Kirsten is on his way out, that a deal has been done, and all the major players, the Russians and the South Americans, they've all had enough of Ilzium's enough. I mean, he's, his expenses are very, very high, and, and Fide is not doing very well. So I, I, can't re- I don't have any details, but this, this contact is very reliable. We're finally going to be rid of Kirsten Ilzium's enough. He should never have been president in the first place. I don't understand why he hasn't been removed before now, but but it is over. But you know, Ilzumsov replaced Campomanes, who lost control of the finances of FIDE in the nineties. So there is no guarantee this is going to be better. Right. But we, that we can only hope. Things can always get worse. Things can always get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I'm so that we'll see. We're recording this on Wednesday, so this yep. will not come out for six days. But that may yeah, be it. Could, it could be an announcement before this podcast comes out. Okay, and if not, a bit of uh, if not breaking news, at least rumored breaking news. Yep. But uh, yeah, and we'll have to see who the replacement is. But at least yep. there's the potential for change. Yeah, yep. I saw Nigel. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, think. I, I think that Kirsten's time has come. Uh, the reason he was re-elected was partially because the Russians hated Kasparov so much, uh, and and partially because of a lack of alternatives. But Kirsten was relying on certain people around him uh, who've been in FIDE for a very long time for the votes. Now, it seems to me that they have decided time's time. You, you know, jo- Vega from, from South America turned against Ilzumzinov. Africa may still be with Kirsten, who knows? But but Russia seems to have turned, and and I think that that's the ball game. And, and it was notable that Filiatov, who's in charge of the Russian Chess Federation, he was challenged by Kirsten Lyomzinov, and I cannot imagine he was amused by that, uh, for the presidency of the Russian Chess Federation. Now, Lyomzinov eventually withdrew from that, that uh, race because 
obviously he was going to lose. But that cannot have done him any favours within the Russian Chess Federation either. So I, I think he's done. Uh, whether, whether he'll have some honorary role afterwards, I hope not, but who knows. Uh, it has been, in my view, a disgrace. He's exploited the, the presidency for his own financial and political purposes. And in fact, I think it's kept him out of jail. And we were in receipt of money that was supposed to go to the Kalmykian people. Any money that he's put into chess has come direct from the Kalmykian people. And not surprisingly, they weren't very amused about that either. Yeah, that's not a great reflection on chess. Not that that us plebeians have control over it, but yeah, it would be nice if that weren't a headline. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Uh, so couple more questions mark uh so you've been busy you're on the record on twitter i saw you you're not a fan of chess 960 we've as we're recording again we've got the nakamura carlson chess 960 match as the next big event in the chess world uh so what is it about chess 960 that you don't like well i i I would say that i I just think the opening positions are ugly it's it's supposed to be a uh, you know, a classical game. The the pieces are on the starting squares that they're on for uh, for for a reason that that there's a balance and, and symmetry to it. <laughs> Just not there if you randomly rearrange the pieces. But I did think I was thinking about it this week. Why is did I have such a viscerally anti anti chess nine sixty reaction? It just seemed a bit over the top when I reflected upon it. And I think in part, it was disappointment with Fisher himself, because Fisher came back in 92, and then there was an expectation that he might come back as a as a venerable gentleman to play mm. some other events. And then he came out with this Chess 960, which seemed to me to be a way of avoiding to come, coming back at all, really. I, and I, I, think, I think I'm right in thinking that, really. You know, he didn't want, he didn't want to come back, he didn't want to lose, just... just for the, the main reasons that, that he stopped in the first place. Uh, and 960 was his excuse. But it has to be said that the World Championship matches, particularly, I thought, uh, Gelfand versus Anan, if two players are highly, highly booked up, it's not very interesting, you know. Yeah, uh, I was. that's what I was going to ask you about, because that's definitely my opinion. Uh, and 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 that match was... The pinnacle of preparation, and Gelfand didn't like it when people said the match was boring. Theoretically, it was fascinating for those who liked the positions they were playing, but it it contained very little chest in that match. You know, it was all prep, and and that that was not a good feeling. But Carlson, you know, I like the way that Carlson plays. Not everybody does, but I, I do like the way Carlson plays, and he he's more anti-theory. But that said, maybe this is the only way. Maybe, maybe Chess 960 in another five or ten years will be the only way to keep chess going if if theory is really starting to get exhausted it, uh, and people can draw at will with black. Then, you know, where do you go? And and I was talking, to, I had an email about that, uh, that very Twitter uh, comment that I made from David Navarra. And he was saying that, uh, <coughs> that he would really, really very much like to play some professional 960 events. At the moment, if he has to, if he wants to, the only events available to him are with £30 prizes, you know, in, in the Czech Republic, very, very low prize funds. He would like to play proper 960 chess, and he he thinks it's good. And a number of a number of top players are enthusiastic about playing chess 960, so maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I've well, been you're, wrong before. You're, you're definitely entitled to your opinion. Uh, but yeah, Hikaru, Hikaru was also just out, I mean... He's promoting the match that's coming up, yep. but but I think he feels this way anyway. But he was he also said he thinks there should be significantly more Chess 960 events. And I don't know if exactly Chess 960 is the answer, but I do feel like the uh, the transition to a memorization contest or the fusion of it with a chess yep. skill contest to me is not as entertaining as just watching people try to play the best move. Yeah, Nakamura was the 
winner of the last two Mainz events, and that that though that was the last uh, um, attempt to have a 960 World Championship. Uh, uh, but that ended uh, a few years back. And actually, uh, before I came on air, uh, Peter Doggers was looking for some chess 960 games, and I. The, Last year, I found this website with a lot of 960 games, and I couldn't find it again for him. But I did manage to get hold of a file of games for him in the end uh, on the internet. But I don't know. It's we will see. This is this match be, uh, between Carlson and Nakamura. This is its big moment. You know, if people find it entertaining, there will be more. If people find it a bit dull or bewildering, then then there won't be. That yeah. Is, is, is the, it is, you can't ask for a more, uh, a better opportunity for the game to display whatever virtues it has than, than this match. Yeah, it should be interesting. And, yeah. and, and, and I don't think Carlson's favourite. Uh, oh, so, really? Well, it might turn out that practice makes perfect, but uh, you, you, you know that in the chess.com speed events, they have one 960 game at the end of each uh, segment. And Carlson hasn't done particularly well in those, and he didn't do particularly well against Nakamura either uh, in in these 960 games. Uh, so Nakamura has more professional uh, experience of playing these events from a few years ago in Mainz. And, uh, but Carlson is a very, very competitive boy. And, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's unimaginable, unimaginable that he hasn't practiced very hard to close this gap. But as we talk now, uh, the published games, Nakamura is the better of the two. Interesting. Yeah, because also, as you alluded to earlier, it seems like Carlson's style should be well suited for it. It's not like yeah. his edge doesn't come from superior memorization, but I guess maybe like he does understand the sort of organic placement of pieces uh, as it relates from the starting position more than from a random position. But there's also extraordinary castling. Yeah. In 960, which, you know, you you have to work out what this major rule change means to the game. Because kings can move right across the board. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to castle, if they're on the queen side and they want to castle king side, they move a long way, and that that is the biggest difference, actually. But one of the biggest differences. Now, uh, one of the comments that I made on Twitter was that some of the starting positions are practically lost for uh, for black. That's not quite true. I I, I accept that the professionals have played say that that isn't true. There's some significantly more disadvantageous positions, but they're few and far between, and nobody's ever completely lost. So I was wrong in that. Oh, I did see that comment. I didn't see the responses. Yeah, Yeah. well, David Navarro said he he just didn't think it was true, and David's a very, very honest guy. Yeah, and yeah, tough to argue with him if he (laughs) (laughs) says something about a chess chess game. Um, So... I guess one solution to that, I don't know if they do this already, but to have, even if there's a a, a position that's like minus 0.7 or something from the beginning, you yep. can, as long as they're both playing each color, it doesn't uh, refute chess 960, as it were. Well, yeah, long- th- this is very, very important that they're playing white-black Yeah, with the same position. So, you know, uh, that that at least equalizes that element as well. Although, if you're the second guy to have a go, they're, they're playing four days of, of rapid chess, so I imagine one day somebody will have white first, and the next day somebody will have... the other guy will have white first. Right. I okay. don't know the rules, but that would be the way I would do it, and I'm pretty certain that's the way they've chosen to do it as well. Okay, so Mark, just a couple more topics, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. Um so what is what is your chess level? I tried to look up your FIDE rating, but I guess because you don't travel much, uh, you I couldn't find it. Well, I I mean, um, last year I was one ninety. I'm down to about one eight five now. It's about twenty one hundred. 
Okay, some yeah, peaking about twenty two hundred. Yeah, um, but but also, uh, I mean, I I would say seven or eight years ago, I, I dropped to twenty. 1950-20, I mean, I was not playing well. So I decided that enough was enough, really. Yeah, it's hard to turn the mothership around. <laughs> but, you know, a friend, a friend of mine who's older than I am, in the same time frame, went from 180 to solid 195. So he, 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 he went up a long way, you know. Yeah, wow. Uh, so do you have any chess book recommendations or resource recommendations for listeners looking to improve? Uh, you mentioned Zurich 1953 getting signed. That's one that a lot of uh, a yeah. lot of our listeners are fans of, and I, I certainly read it in my uh, hungry years. Well, I, I, I would – well, Vladimir Popov, Chess Lessons by Quality Chess, I think is just an amazing book. I, I I actually came up with a huge list. If if you'd asked me, I could have. Uh, I, I can't remember. I, I I did have very strong opinions on it. Move first, think later is a great book. Uh, okay. There are some fantastic teach yourself books that have come out in the last five six years. I think it's a gold been a golden era. Uh, and whereas I am pretty contemptuous of the the teach yourself books from from the eighties that I had to put up with. <laughs> I. I, I I think a lot of them were very bad. Uh, we've, we've got the Agard series of books. I think they're great. Uh, chess combinations. He's written a, a big, a big series of, of chess exercise books. I think those are great. But um, what else? There was uh, there was another book that, that I thought was fabulous. I can't remember. But Vladimir Popov, Chess Lessons from Quality Chess. I think you can pick it up for virtually nothing if you're a strong club player. And you're looking f- to to get stronger. That's your book because okay. because he was a coach for the Cosset Saver Sisters, and he got them from from being strong amateurs up to professional women players. So it's 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 taking you from about 1900, 1950, 2000 up to twenty three hundred. That's okay. that's where it's aimed aimed at. I think it's a wonderful book. That's great. Both uh, that and the Edgar book uh, haven't been recommended. We're up to 54, 55 guests, something like that. Yeah. So, so Jakob Agard's name comes up basically every week. But both, yeah. of, the, both of the other uh, authors you mentioned haven't. So uh, nice to get some fresh recommendations for those uh, always looking for the, suggestions. There's another book. I'm a, I just can't I, – I, I tweeted a whole pile of books that I just thought were fabulous. Uh, if I can find that, I will, I will send it to you or whatever. Okay, excellent. And my only other question, Mark, so you mentioned you're, um, you're a cricket fan. What else do you do besides chess in those rare moments when you're able to escape the computer? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just a naturally curious person. Yeah, you know, read, I, I don't know. I, re- I read nonfiction, basically, I suppose, and le- try and teach myself things um, and watch a bit of telly. I, nice. I need to get myself fitter, basically. I, I, this this last year, I've, I've not been as fit as I should, should be. Um, one of the things we were going to talk, I, I wanted to talk about was Twitter and Facebook. Oh, right, yeah. And I found there was a malign influence on my life in the <laughs> last year. Uh, and I think... I am far from the only person to think this. I think it's reached a critical mass where a lot of very, very horrible people are out there. And and the, I, I'm not sure that those, those forums are redeemable anymore. Now, uh, I use Twitter for the chess, but I'm not sure that I want to use it so much anymore. And I, I, like I say, I think I think that... Facebook and Twitter are going to have to change, and and it might be that people just walk away and find smaller communities to start again. Because what happens, in my opinion, it's happened several times. You, you, something starts up. You have a nice little community. You, you all discuss chess in a nice civilized way, and then after a while, several more combative people arrive uh, uh, and discuss disintegrates and and it becomes a, a horrible experience and the good people leave and i think that's happened many many times 
And I don't think Facebook and Twitter are too big for that to happen either. I, I, I'm certainly using Twitter less than I used to. I've deleted as many news sites and things that I, that I can. And, and, and I, I think we're in for a change there. So uh, plus, 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 I think that from business point of view, uh, it's better if, if you have control of your own, uh, own material anyway. Yeah, that's true. Now, do you get like a lot of negative interactions personally, or is it more just the the general tone of discourse? Uh, I, I think it's not to do with. Ch- I, I had an argument with somebody in the chess world. It's not important, but uh, uh, in general, it's the political stuff that just creeps in because every because everybody lives in this world. It creeps in that way. It, yeah. You know? yeah, I mean, I stopped talking about politics as far as possible on my Twitter stream. Because I, I I imagine that people are as turned off by it as I am. You know? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I have strong political views that I try not to talk to talk about too much. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was an interesting article by uh, the science writer Stephen Johnson. It was actually about uh, blockchain, but he was talking about how it was sort of a fundamental flaw of the internet that there's there's no like clearinghouse where you just have one identity across platforms. And I know that Twitter in particular has come under a lot of fire because it's so easy to make these little pop-up fake accounts uh, that just ruin conversations. Like I know for people in the public eye, it's especially bad. I mean, you can't like you just, if you read your mentions, it puts you in a dark place because even if, even if 10 out of 11 people are saying encouraging things or at least giving constructive feedback, I mean, yeah. when you have the, the 11th person just saying the most vile personal things, and I know uh, women, women get it worse than men, yeah. uh, it's, it's disheartening and tough to keep coming back. And I, I, just, I think we've reached a tipping point where people say, it's so malign, I'll go somewhere else. And maybe there will be another social media come up where it's a smaller group again. And then people get along a lot better. Yeah. Well, yeah, or at least uh, more accountability. Mm. Um, well, on on that somber note, Mark, uh, I think I think we pretty much covered everything I had in I had in mind to discuss. So I want to thank you for coming on. Oh, no problem. Uh, I, I, like I say, it's been it's been an interesting experience. I'm I've not done any broadcasting for a little while, but I do enjoy talking chess, and I hope people have found things useful. And um, and like I say. The Wicked Chess is there if if you want to have the games by all the important players from the previous week. It's a free download. You just come to my website and get it in PGN format and in chess-based format. Uh, and, uh, you know, the more the merrier, really. Yeah, yeah. And just to put in a final plug, I'm sure it's the kind of thing where if everyone who used it gave a small donation, you'd be fine. It's not You don't need fortunes of money, but... But support helps for sure. Oh, absolutely, it's, it's what keeps them. It keeps and, it, them and, going. It, and it's admirable that you're you're looking to keep it voluntary. You know, not yep. not putting it behind a paywall. No, um, I, I don't believe it. I believe in public service. I'm, I'm, it's a it's a very very uh, it, it's it's not a popular view that public service should be there. I, I don't know, but I I believe in public service. Well, on that note, Mark, I know that your email address is right there on the website for people to see i'll also include it in the show notes and yeah if you if you'd like to come back sometime in a year or two maybe we'll have a new fide president uh probably have the same world champion but you never know (laughs) um uh so uh thanks for joining us no thank you very much i've enjoyed it thank you thanks to everyone who supports perpetual chess I spend about five hours a week on each episode, and even though I love doing the show, it can be hard to find the time. Without the financial support of the chess community, Perpetual Chess would not be possible. Special shout out goes to my Patreon and PayPal Perpetual Partners, and I have finally updated the list. You guys are Adam Vrancourge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Chad Hilton, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Wood, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Gary Andrews, Greg Shahadi, James Bonastasia, Jason Dunbar, Jeffrey Martello, Jen Shahadi, Jennifer Valens, Jen Scream, John Fernandez, Johnny McMenamin, Kelly Palmer, Krishna Gopalakrishnan, Lorraine Dore, Macaulay Peterson, Matthew Tedesco, Pascal Charbonneau, Paul Sweeney, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, 
Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchek, Tatyav Abrahamian, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotella, Victor Vrankulj, Zhao Cheng, Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll catch you guys next week with another episode. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.